0: Welcome to the show. I've got PJ Farley coming up soon here. So PJ plays bass for many bands. So many uh, he's played in Raw, which is like a '90s rock uh, modern rock band. He's played with Eric Martin from Mr. Big, uh, Lita Ford. He even played with uh, wrestler Chris Jericho and his uh, band Fozzie and comedian Jim Brewer. So he's all over the place. Uh, but he's most well known for playing in Trickster, and of course, I've interviewed uh, the Trickster drummer Mark a couple times. They're one of my favorite bands, uh, so it's fun to reminisce with PJ. Uh, He's toured with Poison, The Scorpions, Warrant, and Kiss back in the day. Uh, So we'll talk about that, plus his other projects, including his new solo album, Accent the Change, uh, and the new single, Let It Rain, that's out right now. He's a very busy man, so learn all about him. PJ Farley, the man, the legend. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, the Chuck Shoot Podcast. PJ Farley, this is amazing. I'm really excited. I'm a huge Trickster fan. I'm a fan of all your work actually. And I think it's really cool. You were literally just on Eddie Trunk. I was listening to you. And now you're doing my show. So that's a big downgrade. But uh thank you for taking the time to do this. That's pretty cool.
1: No problem, amen. You're willing to listen.
0: Yeah. And then it's you know it's funny too, is like right after this, you're doing Troy Patrick Farrell show. I've had him on as a as a guest on my show
1: quite the press junket I got going on here.
0: Yeah. Now, do you find that, is that kind of the new thing is to just do like every podcast and every radio show? Is that that, that how it always was?
1: Um, Well, I mean, usually, I mean, we're used to, I mean, when we were back on the bigger labels, it was like, all right, we we would have to divvy up all the interviews. Like I got a page of interviews, you've got a page of interviews and so on. And because it would take us, you know, a month to do everything. Yeah. yeah it's pretty it's pretty heavy it's going going really good
0: and then you guys did used to do a lot of like pictures and stuff back in the day too right I remember seeing like a lot of like metal edge and stuff like that oh
1: yeah photo shoots out the wazoo
0: that's crazy so you originally started uh it's crazy I was looking at your bio you you started playing the drums at age six uh inspired by animal from the Muppets and Peter Chris from kiss but like how do you play the drums at age six i mean was it like a fisher price drum crazy. kit or
1: I, 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 I should have been doing this on my phone. I showed you a little drum set I got for my daughter in the next room. Oh. Um, yeah, so I have pots and pans, and then I got like this little drum kit, you know? And I just got my daughter one for her birthday last
0: year. So it's like a little it's, mini one. You weren't playing the full drum kit, because those things are huge.
1: I was like around seven or eight, yeah.
0: Wow. And then so then around age 11, you switched to bass, which is really yeah. smart, because everybody's a guitar player. Everyone's a singer, not as many drummers, but then yeah, even fewer bass players. It seems like so that I was forced,
1: I was forced into the bass player role because I went to start a band and I asked all my friends, I had a guitar player, singer, you know, like three drummers, nobody stepped up to play bass. I'm like, all right, this is how it's going to be fine. I'm the bass player.
0: Wow. That seemed to work out well for you, right? Because more people need bass players. Yeah. everything happens for a reason. That's crazy. So then you started playing in bands at a really young age at 14, 15, and you were in the clubs, and that's kind of how you met the trickster guys. And then they recruited you after they had an issue with their uh bass player. So how your parents must have been pretty supportive of your music career. I mean, my parents wouldn't even let me spend the night at you know down the street from my at my friend's house, but they let you like basically tour the world and stuff, right?
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, there was um there was no question as to what I was doing with my life because I was you know pretty much staying out of trouble I was just hyper focused on playing music. So and I mean I started I was in my first band playing I think I was 12 years old and then 13 14 got into a band with guys that were 22 23 and it was like it was serious for me. You know, I wasn't just gicking around. So yeah, it started pretty early. So there wasn't even a time for anyone to go, hmm, you know, you should have something to fall back on before I even graduated. Right. Record. So it was like, talk to me.
0: Yeah. So you guys got these managers and these managers hooked you up and got you a record deal. And then I heard you talking the other day about there was actually a time where you guys were possibly um, going to go on tour with Def Leppard, but that didn't work out. What ha- Wouldn't you think that you guys would have made that work? Like, what was the problem where you couldn't make it work?
1: It was just scheduling wise cycles didn't our cycles didn't line up okay so the time by the time we got signed and finally got to you know got done with the record and ready to put out our record wasn't on the schedule at the same time that you know it was too late
0: okay
1: was already going out on the hysteria tour and uh
0: yeah, because that would have been cra- that would have been crazy. I mean, obviously, then later, uh, your your bandmate, Steve, ended up playing with Def Leppard, which was pretty crazy. But so then at it the time... What? It all worked out. Yeah, it worked out great. No, you guys ended up doing... Uh, you did a headline tour for clubs, and then you did Striper and Don D- uh, D- Dockin, and uh, you opened for Poison. Tell me about that. That was like... Because I'm a big Poison fan. That must have been pretty fun.
1: It was great. I mean, that was our first arena tour, and it was like we had already had did we have the Scorpion store booked? No, maybe not. But I think we got the poison tour in between the Scorpion, Striper and Don Dockin tour, I think. And uh, it was like, that was it. Like, boom, that's what we've been wanting to do. So yeah, it was pretty amazing when we got the call to, to do that and go out and actually do it. It was just like we had imagined, you know, in the first arena we did, you know, usually they're, Reserve seating, seats in the front and everything. This one, Evansville, Indiana, Roberts Stadium, general admission. It was sold out to the rafters. People just on top of shoulders. It was, you know, exactly how you would imagine it. And for your first arena show, it's pretty cool.
0: And you're not even 18 at this point, right? So are you still doing like a correspondence course? They didn't have online school back then. So you're doing like... I
1: did. That's what I did. I did that. I finished that before we went on the road.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I remember Mark was telling me that you had to get like a note for like PE or something like that. Like you had to get signed off to do uh PE classes or something like, yep, oh, that's crazy. So, so I finished all
1: that correspondence and I did that just in time and then went right on the road.
0: Yeah. That's, and so, so how does that work? Cause you're not even 21. Is there, is there certain times where you couldn't go into certain bars or things like that? Or did you have a fake ID or do they just like let you let it slide? Cause you're in trickster. Or?
1: Um, they there was things where all right once you're done playing, beat it.
0: Oh, I remember
1: on the Don Dokken tour that was that happened a couple of times. That's and crazy. So stuck my way back in, but I'm like, fine, <laughs> I'll just go drink the beer on my bus, dude.
0: Yeah, well, I remember I remember hearing a similar story. Uh, I interviewed the uh, Brian Forsythe from Kicks, and he was yeah. telling me how. They play with Johnny Depp when Johnny Depp was in bands and he was too young, and so they had to, like, he couldn't get into places because he wasn't 21. I'm like, it's so funny to think of Johnny Depp being turned down for a place, but I guess even
1: before Trickster, I'd be playing these places and I would literally get in the venue for sound check and then hide in the bathroom (laughs) until doors open. Literally, uh, that's crazy.
0: Done that, yeah. So, anyway, so around this time, your album comes out, it starts blowing up, it's doing well on radio, doing well on MTV. And you guys do the awesome, amazing Blood, Sweat, and Beers tour. I wish, I, I think I was a little late by the time I started getting into you guys. I think it was, I don't even know if you came to Seattle. I was living in Seattle at the time, but you're only 19 years old. The first is, uh what you said, Bismarck, North Dakota? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and then you said it just started getting bigger and bigger. And the biggest one you did was Chicago, 45,000?
1: Something like that, yeah, the world in Chicago. Just capacity, and I mean but a beautiful sight. Yeah. That was a a whole week of shows where it was just one big show after the next Milwaukee Summerfest, 30 something thousand people. It was, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. It sounds, I listened to that uh, podcast you did with Jericho and you guys talked about all the crazy stories. Like you, there had, you had some sort of a bet where you you guys would try to see how many tequila shots you could do with, without puking. Like who holds the record for that one?
1: Uh, I think everybody lost, but I, mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was just a, I think they were just using me as a guinea pig. I was riding on Warren's bus that night and uh, Janie thought that I could do f- f- 75 shots of Cuervo and Turner, my boy knew that I couldn't.
0: Yeah. 75. <laughs> I mean, I think, That's I, a lot. I, think after, kill no, you. No,
1: I mean, I think after like, I forget what the number of shots was, but on the last one, it came back up. He was like 10 or 15. 15. And this was after bus calls. So like I'm on second on the Warren tour. So after that, I start drinking, watching Warren, you know, I'm having some beers and stuff. So then it's not till one o'clock in the morning or whatever, when bus starts rolling, then the real drinking starts. Uh So I, I, I needed to be graded on a curve. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah did you so cause do you typically drink after the show or dirt because it sounded like mark was saying that Janie would drink like during the show and he would go out and do an amazing performance and he'd be totally hammered
1: yeah yeah i mean we wouldn't drink during the show i mean we were only doing 45 minutes so I mean, yeah. I mean we were pretty high energy and we um we had youth on our side you know we didn't like it wasn't like now when it's like right just do a shot Let's get this. Let's get these oils, <laughs> let's
0: get
1: this, those grease, You know, and yeah. shot. You know, um, back then it was we were fucking ready to go any any time. So it was Miller time after the show. Yeah, but any yet yeah. bottle of Cuervo on stage. You know.
0: Yeah. So tell me about this story you were talking about. There was a time in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. And you and Janie were playing Nintendo. I guess he was a big Nintendo fan. He was a big video game fan, and you guys were oh, that, running late Nintendo to the back
1: lounge,
0: yeah. Yeah, you are running late to the show, and so what? You have to like drive those golf carts or something to get to. And he drove, and he was hammered.
1: No, it, that's kind of a hybrid of stories. Okay, there okay. One time where we were playing, and the runner was ready to pick us all up. A couple of guys from my band, Firehouse and, and Warren, and the security guards, All right, Janie, come on, let's go. Runners here. And me and him are in the back lounge playing and I was winning but he's such a competitive guy by nature he would not leave until the game was over (laughs) and he come back and win I'm like dude let's go and what game was this like
0: a baseball video game or something
1: yeah it was a baseball game I'm like let's go he's like no we'll get the next one I'm like geez so we had to finish the game but no Allentown it was a death ride when (laughs) we would go. go out to the bar afterwards and we had the runner he basically kicked the runner out of the driver's See, said so I'm driving and we were in a van and literally getting thrown around like the dogs and dumb and, dumb and <laughs> I was like, oh my god this is, this is not good
0: that's a great analogy yeah so I heard that you said that that was kind of a, a very common theme after the shows you guys would and, and janie was an announcing on stage like hey we're gonna be at this bar after the show so did the bar just get like mobbed with people did you guys get mobbed with people i mean how did you how was that yeah. even safe? it was, it was, uh, well, they had security. Okay. You know, so, I mean, and we'd
1: get up with whatever band was playing at night and just kind of take over the stage and, you know, just throw another party.
0: Wow. That sounds crazy. So it sounds just like so much fun, like just boys being boys, like the perfect time to go, like, you don't want to be doing that when you're in your fifties and stuff, but like when you're in your teens and twenties, that's what
1: I mean, I'm not 50, but you know,
0: But doesn't it get to the point where it's like, you got to kind of slow. I mean, I interview a lot of you rock star guys and like, I hear the story so much like, well, yep, now I had to give up drinking and all that stuff because now I'm older or whatever. You know, they hit some sort of wall. You haven't hit that wall yet, you're saying.
1: No, I haven't hit the wall, but I'm also not, uh, I'm not knocking any down. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not knocking any walls down anymore, you know. (laughs) No, it's, uh, you got to, uh, too much responsibility now.
0: Yeah, no, but that's cool. It sounds like such a a fun though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have to. You can't do it as. You can't be as like that. Was that the craziest tour that you'd been on? Even crazier than Poison.
1: Yeah. For
0: Had po- sure. Was Poison? Because weren't they were kind of wasn't CC doing like Coke at that time? Like he was kind of off the walls a little bit. Isn't that what? That's why they kicked him out, right?
1: He was up the walls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he
1: wasn't it. He was climbing them. Um, yeah, he he was pretty tuned up that tour.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. And
1: just come to our dressing room and just kind of like pick up stuff. What is this? Is that on
0: it? <laughs> so were, was that kind of like, had you been a? I mean, you have been in bands for a few years. So you had, you kind of seen that stuff at that point or was that, was the cocaine thing like new to you?
1: No, we, we never really, we never saw him do coke. I mean, we know he was doing it, Yeah, but we never saw it. Never that... seen any, anybody do it.
0: Okay. Interesting. He never offered it to you or anything like that? Or... Oh, crazy. What? Stingy, stingy. <laughs> That's so cool. So yeah, you're so close with uh with Warren that um that you gave Eric Turner your uh gold record from Trickster and he and you have his Cherry Pie uh double album, yep, platinum. That's yeah, we traded. Those are the official ones. Like it's not like a copy or something. No, it's
1: they're they're copies. Like I still have oh, okay. my gold record. He still has, but but we were we were like let's exchange, you know, plaques. He's yeah. like, all right he's like, I want yours. I'm like, well, I'll get you one. He's like, no, I want one with your name on it. So it was his idea. He wanted one that was basically presented to me and he gave me one that was presented to him. So my double platinum cherry pie says presented to Eric Turner and his church to gold record, it says presented to PJ Farley.
0: That's awesome. That's very cool. So, so you did that tour and then, um, you released the second album here and that was around the time that I started uh, getting into, like, rock music and stuff. And I listen. I love that album. Uh, again, I was in Seattle, so I was like, I don't think you guys hit Seattle up. But you did uh, – or maybe you did when you – when you because you toured with Kiss. Yep. Right? So, yeah, tell me about that. Like, do you have a memorable Kiss story? I mean, you're a little kid, six years old. You're looking up to Peter Criss, and now you're touring with Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. I mean, that must have been kind of surreal, right?
1: Yeah, most definitely. It was, you know, the kind of thing – that's the the zenith like for us like we get to tour with Kiss it was always one day when we'll be on tour with Kiss when we were touring with Kiss you know now we're going on tour with Kiss so it was yeah surreal walking into the arena every day and seeing the Kiss road cases and the big you know um stage set and everything and um just you know seeing them every night
0: yeah so what and talk about the differences because um I could be wrong, but don't they, I don't think Gene Simmons, he doesn't drink, right? Like he doesn't, he's totally like, so that must've been totally different kind of feel like, like backstage and stuff, not messing around like boys will be boys.
1: Um, he's still messing around like boys will be boys. Will be boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. They weren't, wasn't a party band, you know, my liver was safe on that tour.
0: Uh, but did you guys still, or were you not allowed to? Like, how? What's the etiquette with that? Like, because uh, there's they, a lot. Of- they,
1: never have, they they're not recovering or anything. Like yeah. That, so that it was never an issue. You know, they, that was just never them.
0: Yeah. So, That's mean, and we
1: were even, even at this point. I think it was 19 on the Kiss tour, maybe uh-huh. twenty. and still. I mean, you know, we weren't going bonkers. We were drinking our beers after after the show and maybe some shots, but you know, we're not going. You know,
0: too bonkers. crazy. Did you learn anything from from uh being around? I mean, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons, two legends. I mean, they know what they're doing. Is there anything that you learn from from watching them being on the tour or with the business side or just like performing? Or
1: uh Gene taught me the good pick flick. Because he would on um, and Who are they? I, I found him just the other day. He would I would stand by the soundboard during sound check and he would hit me with a pick. I mean, he would fling them like bullseye even if it was during the show and i was on the side stage, he'd be playing and he'd go boom hit me right in the head
0: how does he and do it and he taught you it's like a secret way to do it or something
1: it's a good the good flick um that and he tried teaching me how to balance a baseball cap on on the rim on your nose and i said gene <laughs> on this <laughs> chance oh. but uh, he always had these little quirky tricks but uh just watching them you know what uh, sadly enough it was watching them put on a kick ass show to half house less than half house you know like poorly attended shows and like where we'd be like oh my god this is like the whole upper deck is empty and you gotta remember this is 1992 yeah whole new crop of music out there and we were just kind of keeping our heads above water so it wasn't that great of a tour attendance-wise in a lot of markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching them put on the same show regardless of the crowd was really um, hmm. you know, encouraging.
0: Yeah. No, that is interesting. Yeah, because I mean then eventually they, they would put the makeup back on and and uh and all that kind of stuff. But that was kind of their tail end of just without without the makeup and stuff. Now they they only do the makeup, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then, yeah, it's like you said, that was around that time that the obviously the rock scene was changing quite a bit. And you, you kind of joke that, because you guys wore the flannels first, but you joke that the grunge bands kind of hung you guys with the flannels, with your own flannel.
1: They took him and hung us with them.
0: Yeah. That's, Put them on. Yeah. And then, so the record label dropped you guys, uh, but they let you finish. You did a tour in Japan or something, right? Right after they...
1: Yeah, they told us right before. we Japan was already booked and we were going. And they told us days before we were going to Japan.
0: Is uh, there, was there still more um, fans and stuff over in Europe and Japan and other, other countries than there was in America for that kind of music or.
1: You know, we never made it over. We made it to Japan yeah, and that was it. We never went to Europe, oh. you know, kind of definitely. Cause we were, I mean, luckily we were so blessed and busy in, in America that the label was just like, we're not, we're not killing this momentum by sending you over to Europe. So we really, really never got the push over there.
0: Mm. Okay. Well, so then, but you did get uh, another, you had a, it must've had some sort of, it was a, a, a smaller record label because then you had that undercovers CD that I really love that collection of covers, especially as a young kid, you were, you guys were exposing me to some of those bands I or songs I had never heard. Um, I yeah. obviously knew the nine inch Nails song. I've, I heard you talking about, this is kind of funny that, you, uh, Trent Reznor had said in an interview that he wanted to pay you guys to not play that song. (laughs) Yeah. So he was not a fan.
1: No, no, I don't think so.
0: Uh, But you sang on that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I loved your version. I I love nine inch nails version too, but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So did you guys still, were you able to kind of make it work, um, as a full-time thing at that point, or was this kind of, was, was trickster more of a part-time thing at that point?
1: No, it was still a full-time thing. It was a full-time thing up until really, I'm going to say right after we toured, we did the Undercovers tour, which was a good, hmm. I mean, God, I think we did four or five months on Undercovers. Okay. Tweaked that out and, you know, some good shows still too. And then, you know, we we came home and we were just like, let's just put this to rest right now. Wall, walls, everywhere we were going, you know, it was, it was clear nobody was going to um, extend a handout to Trickster at this point. And rightfully so. We saw the writing on the wall. There was no room for us anymore. Hmm. So, all right, we cashed in our chips and we went around, you
0: know, went about our way. You know, a lot of bands stayed together and
1: kind of fought it out. Um, and God bless them.
0: Did you Did you ever think of trying to just... Um, Cause I remember around that time, there was a lot of bands that were doing like kind of multiple bill, like, you know, it would be like, I remember the rock never stops tour. It was like Vince Neil slaughter. Yeah. And like, it was like three or four different bands. Did you ever try to think of maybe doing that? Like teaming up with some of these other guys, like maybe with warrant and firehouse again, or.
1: Well, when those tours started happening again, Steve and I had been writing a recording for other bands that we put together, mm-hmm. trying to get another record deal and kind of, you know, just kind of do something else. Yeah. And, so, yeah. You know, the guys in the band weren't really around. Oh. And we just didn't feel like there was a demand for us. You know, mm-hmm. nobody knocked on a door and said, Hey man, we'd like to put tricks on rock. Never stops tour." Mm. And To be honest, I don't know if we would have done it back then, but I just don't think we would have been in that right headspace.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, well, so it wasn't. I, and I remember all our friends that were touring firehouse rat and all these bands going, God, you guys should get back together. You can make killing. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. Hmm. But it wasn't until years later we did.
0: Yeah. So then talk about that. Um, There's a few years here. I know we'll get to you joined Raw. We'll talk about that. But for a few years, 96, 97 Trickster's done. Um, And then you do 40 Foot Ringo. Did you do some other stuff like uh, cover bands or something? Or what were you doing for those few years before you joined Raw?
1: Yeah. I mean, we were doing, Steve and I had put together right after Trickster. We put together a band called Throwing Rocks, which turned into 40-foot Ringo. No, which turned into Soaked, which turned into 40-foot Ringo, then turned into Stereo Fallout. And right around that time, you know, me and him were, like, playing locally. Okay. And and then right around the Stereo Fallout transformation, that's when I, um, I, I was already in Raw and... I was just consumed with raw at that point. So then I couldn't do stereo fallout anymore. And then really just became full-time raw.
0: Yeah. So talk about that. I just learned about that recently that you were in this band. They had songs on the radio. You guys toured with stone sour, power man, 5,000 shine down, like all these huge uh, bands at the time. And uh, that were like big in the nineties. And then um, I also uh, heard that the singer from raw He actually co-wrote songs with Nicky Six for the new Dirt uh, soundtrack.
1: Yeah, uh, him and Nicky did all the songs on the the Dirt soundtrack. Um, John Five. And um, yeah, he even sang all the backgrounds and stuff on it. And uh, yeah, they became really good buddies.
0: So you're, I mean, that's pretty amazing that you're able to pivot from, you know, the quote unquote, like hairband metal to this, like the new nineties sound. I mean, do you, do you figure that that was just because of, I mean, is it partly luck? Is it because of like just being in the right place at the right time? Or is it just perseverance? Cause you never gave up, right? You didn't quit the music business. Like somebody, yeah, I
1: mean, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. I feel blessed. Uh, I also feel like I'm, you know, I have a lot to offer and I have a positive outlook and, positive energy. And I always want to keep going. I'm still full of piss and vinegar and, you know, musical fire. So I think that, you know, if you run hot, you know, you're going to catch fire. Yeah. So I mean, I think, you know, these things kind of, you gravitate, toward, they gravitate towards you. And I think, um, cause yeah, it's a unique position to be able to do what I did in Trickster. And then in 2002, join an active rock band and then go on tour with, all, with a whole new crop of current hard rock bands and do it in a really big scale all over again on a major label and and then ironically have all the bands that I'm playing with be fans of the band that I was in before
0: yeah that's what you're saying like the the guys in audio slave were trickster fans and yeah that's super cool yeah so then and then um, and then at one point trickster get back trickster gets uh, back together you're doing trickster and raw um, at the same time. Yeah. Is that hard to be in? T- I mean, now it seems like, I know, and we'll get to that because you're in like 50 different bands right now, but is it hard to do all these multiple bands at the same time? Like,
1: It, it gets a little confusing sometimes, Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I got, man, talk about bless. I get lucky a lot with juggling and how things work out. I told the story not long ago about how I had a trickster festival booked in Wisconsin Yeah, and a raw tour starting in Wisconsin the same day. So, I literally played the Trickster Festival, got in a car, and drove like two hours or so to wherever I started, like Green Bay or something, the RAW tour, threw my bag on the bus, and went and did the first show of the RAW tour, and then went on tour with RAW. I had magical, you know, stars aligned going on there. And um, that's, I've been able to do. Really crazy things like that. So hopefully that luck continues. Yeah,
0: and then you said sometimes you can you have to like sub somebody out. Like you have to send in like a kind of like I you know I used to work in education, so teachers have substitute teachers. Like you send in like a substitute bass player for you, right? If you're like if you can't do it because of the
1: yeah, every once in a while that'll happen. Whereas like when I started playing with Lita Ford, yeah, um, I had some dates booked, and and my good buddy J three, he's you know guy from home. And um he's just super talented guy. We always look out for him, always try to get him, you know, put him wherever we can.
0: He's playing with and, Tommy Lee, right?
1: Yeah, got him uh with Tommy Lee band and then he was in Seven Dust for a little while and now he's been doing the front of house for Struts since day one, really. Oh wow.
0: I love the struts. And, um,
1: but yeah, he, he's always been our go-to guy. And uh I've had him fill in for me with almost everything I've done even had him in for Steve with Trickster
0: when Steve was with
1: Leopard. Hmm. So, you know, sometimes sometimes there is a clash.
0: That's cool though. Yeah. So talk about trust. talk about playing with uh Lita Ford and uh Bumblefoot because he he was the guitarist, he was in Guns N' Roses for a little bit. I mean he's pretty amazing, isn't he?
1: Yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's... He's um yeah, he's just one of those savants, you know, can do basically anything. Wow. Super smart, um, funny, but incredible guitar player. Did
0: you We're guys, involved. and you guys didn't write any new material together or anything like that, though? You just played no old stuff. We, okay. when we
1: joined Lita's band. She had done a record with her husband. It was already done. And she was just starting to come back into um, the scene. And she had done a couple of shows and then they did that record. And then, um, we did some touring on that.
0: Yeah. And you credit like credit this with like, it's like your versatility with being able to learn the material quickly and be fully prepared. So if they give you the call, like, Hey, we need you to join Lita Ford's band. Can you learn all these songs? You're able to learn those songs very quickly. Yeah. Do you, yeah, do you I mean, just listen by that's, ear? That's, then? Really,
1: that's the trick. I mean, you know, cause look, you can get a million bass players to play Lita songs properly or any band that calls you last minute mm-hmm. so you can get anyone to play the bass right you know but can you do it in a day and can you come with your background vocals nailed can you have you? can you do it with no notes can you do it where you're comfortable on stage right off the bat you know I mean the thing is to be digested as quickly as possible and not you know I, I, I have shitty eyesight so I can't chart anything out So, which I think is my, my best kind of asset. So when I learn something, it's, it's filtered through me. It's going right through me. It's up here. It's not like a chart or anything. So I'm playing it. Like I mean it, you know, it is, there's no real question. I have to learn it.
0: So do they just give you like a, like a CD or an MP3 of like here, learn all these songs and you just have to listen and just figure it out or do they, or, or just go to YouTube. Okay. Wow. All right crazy so yeah so um when you reunited with trickster you guys had a couple new cds i really like them they they sound they sound uh, up to date but also it's like that classic sound Uh, new audio machine was 2012 Uh, human error was 2015 i'm just curious like with the deal with frontier records they made you an offer uh i mean you don't need to tell me the exact amount but i'm just curious like with these kinds of deals i mean this isn't like the multi-million dollar mca deal that you guys signed in the 90s like is, is a lot of the i hear a lot of the money uh with these kinds of deals is is from the publishing with like TV and film and commercials. Like if you play, they play your song in a commercial or something, is that a big, are you finding that too? Like that a lot of the, the money comes from that kind of stuff or is it record sales?
1: I'm sure it would. If somebody would put our fucking song in a movie,
0: <laughs> they haven't commercial. done
1: that. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't really gotten to that point yet, but uh, yeah, I mean the, the, the deals nowadays are a fraction of, the call uh, of what we would get back in the day. Well, and rightfully so. I mean, because everyone's got a studio. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can make records for a hell of a lot cheaper than you were, you know, able to back in the day. So I get it. Um, so... But yeah, there's money to be made if somebody picks it up on a commercial or something like that. Hell yeah.
0: Yeah, because I've talked to even some of the smaller guys I talked to, they say that that's kind of a big thing that they try to, they get the managers and the record labels to try to shop it to these like commercials and TV bits and things. And so they're not, they don't, they don't really push for that.
1: They haven't yet. I mean, give it to me good. I mean, I can think of a lot of commercials.
0: Yeah, seriously. Uh, That'd be a good uh, one.
1: uh, you know, Rockin' Horse
0: or, uh, you know. I love that song, yeah. So you started playing bass uh, with your Trickster bandmate Steve Brown and Eric Martin from Mr. Big. I saw you guys live here in Phoenix. It was amazing. Um, do you have some sort of record deal with that band or?
1: Um, no, not yet. Yeah, we have, uh, we've been talking for like two years, threatening to write songs and stuff. And, you know, it's just a matter of doing it. Okay. A bunch of old guys we are.
0: Yeah, because he—I don't—I haven't—he hasn't really gotten back to, with Mr. Big. I haven't seen them. He's kind of just doing that solo stuff, I mean, right? Two,
1: I think it was two years ago they two put a record years. out. Okay. And they did a short tour of America, but they did the whole world oh. for the rest of the year. They were busy. And that's a worldwide band. Um, America is yes. the smallest part.
0: Yeah, they're big so, in Japan, right?
1: Yeah, Japan, South America, um, you know, everywhere in Europe.
0: Yeah. So this is really cool. 2016. This is your first solo album, a boutique sound frames. I even played the song. Um, you'd Stick." I played that for my girlfriend. She's not always a big fan of all the music I like, but she's like, that's a good song. That's really catchy. So you play, you did everything yourself on this, right? I'm always like fascinated by this. You wrote it, produced it. You played every single instrument. Yep. That's amazing. So, and that took, you said like 12 years to be of collection of writing all this stuff and putting it together.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the bulk of the stuff was written in a probably well, written and recorded within maybe a two year period. But that was starting back in like 2000, 2001. Hmm. So, I mean, I sat on those songs for a long time. And then finally, I just decided, let me just throw them up in the cloud. Okay. Put them up there. You know, I mean, good songs, pretty timeless, I feel. You know, there's not, they don't really have a dated quality to them. So production is great. You know, I did it all at Steve's house, you know, um, on the same stuff that we were recording Tricks to the Covers EP on. Oh. So, I mean, yeah. Uh,
0: you guys all yeah. live still in like in New Jersey, right? Steve and I do, yeah. Yeah, and then Pete and uh, Mark live down here in Phoenix. Um, yeah. But so you're, and then you're also playing, this is cool. You really are in so many bands. You're playing bass with uh, uh, for Fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. And then you guys got some tour dates lined up, possibly?
1: Yeah. We had a tour in October, November that just got pushed back to April, too. Um, <clears throat> kind of as I'm in mean, uh, as needed basis, you know, in the sense that <clears throat> their bass player didn't want to tour at all mm-hmm. given the circumstances. So, um, as far as I know, I think I'm, the tour got pushed back to April. I believe I'm doing that. So, um, And then I have something we're doing in October, so yeah, we'll see. I I really don't know what's going on with it, but yeah, it's It's a lot of fun. Great time we toured in August, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And you know, obviously, I've known Chris for years. It was great, and um, got along great with the rest of the band. And
0: you know, Chris from uh, Eddie Trunk, who you were just on his show. Yeah, 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 that's cool. So, and then you're also doing that quarantine with a K. That's with Jericho and Bruce Kulik from, uh, from eighties. And you guys only do eighties kiss songs. Right. Are you going to do more? I think you released what was like one or two songs. Are you going to release more? Or is that just kind of like a song here and there as it goes, or
1: it's going to be a song here and there, but we have another one ready, pretty much ready to go. And then one behind that. Um, so yeah, we're just going to do it at our own pace. And you know, who knows we talked about doing shows maybe if the timing is right, you know, it, it's a, it's cool to have that kind of a cool project in our back pockets. Yeah. So no, There's no expiration date on it. So, you know, we can bring it to life at any point.
0: Yeah. And then you also did the song, Mr. Speed, another cover with a uh, anthrax drummer and John, and guitarist, John five. Yeah. Are you going to be more with that one too? I
1: think so. Yeah. I think we have one, kind of in the works now, I think
0: so many. And then you're in another band, uh, Rubik's cube, which is like an eighties, uh, pop cover band. That sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Is that good for like corporate gigs and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, it is. It's great. It's like a Broadway show. It's kind of like, uh, the eighties kind of pop version, uh, but not, the PG version. Okay. Uh, Steel Panther. you know it's oh, uh, yeah, it's, I lo- Yeah, it's, what do you think like of Steel Panther? It's a show, you know. Yeah. It's it's a production. It's and so Steve and I do that together. And uh yeah, it's mainly private the corporate functions and you know, stuff like that.
0: Do you like Steel Panther? I'm a huge fan of that. I I, I love that stuff. Some people get like almost like offended by it.
1: No, I mean offended. It's I don't know, I'm a guy so I laugh at that shit. It's great. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. Do you I no- get it,
0: so. Yeah, I, I read. Is this true? You play with Jim Brewer too, because he's a comedian, but he does like he does some uh, music as well.
1: Yep. Yeah, Steve and I and Joey Casada, we were his background band for um, about a year, like two three
0: years ago. Yeah. Oh. Yeah,
1: he incorporated music into his show every night.
0: Okay. And,
1: uh, so that was cool. It was great.
0: Yeah, because I um, listened to some of those songs. Did you? Did you play on the album? Because like the album was like pretty good. I listened to some of the songs. It was like pretty good stuff.
1: No, we were like a year or so after he put that record out.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah, so like at this point in your career, I mean, you're you have to, you feel like you have to be in multiple bands just to kind of like keep it going, or I mean, you would probably obviously rather just be in one, right? But
1: yeah, I mean, I would. I, I mean, yes and no. I mean, you know, gone are the days of just being in that one band. I mean, granted, it you know, should you know, Foo Fighters call me. <laughs> Maybe I'll say no to some other projects. I probably won't, but you know, I would maybe just make that my my band. Yeah. Um, But you know, nowadays I gotta I gotta spread myself out, which I enjoy. You know, I mean, as a player, I love being in different situations and playing different music, different styles of music, playing in a different whether I'm playing with my fingers or playing with a pick. You know, it keeps me on my toes and. You know, I like being in situations I haven't been in before.
0: Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that, like with the uh, the offers and stuff. Is there any offer that you've that you've turned down, or was there any offer like that you were in contention for, like a, a gig that you really wanted to get that you tried out for that you didn't get?
1: Um, no, there's not really anything that I've ever tried out for and not gotten. Um, um, something that
0: I really wanted but didn't get. I don't know. I can't. Or is there something that you'd want? Like if, if, like you said, Foo Fighters, is that, is that one of your top choices? If, if they did call, you would take that for sure. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah.
1: It's like, I mean, Foo Fighters, is that's you know, just a good time rock and roll band. I mean, top of the game. Um, and one of those bands who are as relevant as they are, they don't need to make another record for the rest of their lives.
0: Oh yeah. They have so many yeah. hits. It's insane.
1: So they have that, they have that heritage kind of act already, but you know, still make records that people care about.
0: Right. Well, yeah. And so speaking of records that people care about, Plus you haven't
1: pay me enough to not have to do all the jackassing around that I'm doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your new record here. Um, so it tell, you, I heard you broke your finger in the car door, uh, so you couldn't play the drums. So you couldn't, didn't play all the instruments on this one, but you still played a lot of it. Um it's called Accent the Change, Nine Songs. Is that would you just call that an EP or
1: No, I would call that a full-length record. Nine In songs. In fact, my deal was I thought I was only gonna do five or six songs. Uh-huh. And I was gonna call it my record, not an EP. Fuck that, man. <laughs> Fuck EPs. Yeah. If you put five or six songs, especially if you put six on it, that's a record nowadays. Yeah. People ain't buying the shit. People ain't even listening to track seven. You know? So it's all about the you single. Know, everything is a shuffle. It's like so stupid. Why should I waste more time, money, and effort for something that, you know, the majority of people aren't even going to listen to? So I'm going to call it a record. Full-length album now. Back in the 70s, Kiss, nine songs. That's all you got. That's true. I'm not down with with that 14 song record thing, or even 12 songs too much. I don't even have the patience for it.
0: Yeah. Well, I just oh. want to listen to your paletti trunk before you came on. He had Richie Kotzen on and the, Richie said that he released a CD on his 50th birthday. It was 50 songs. So too then much. you won't be doing that is what you're saying. I mean, but that,
1: that's going a different way with it. Yeah. That's like, Hey, here's everything. So, you know, put it all on one, you know, and that's, that's great. So, I mean, and you don't have to listen to it like one. You can go, I'm going to do the first 10 songs for the next two months. And you can treat it like you can release 10 songs to nine or 10 songs to yourself sporadically. Mm-hmm. So you have it. So you compile that all in one thing. I mean, you know, I mean, so God bless him on that.
0: Yeah, no. And I love it. The new, the new single is called Let It Rain. There's going to be a video uh, coming out. Is there, or is it out yet?
1: Nope. It's coming out um, October 6th.
0: That's cool though. So I heard Eddie Trunk talking about it and like, and I've heard Eddie Trunk interview a lot of people and he'll, he'll promote the, the band single or whatever, but he was like raving about it and I could tell he was being uh, authentic. He said that it's super hooky and it's super catchy and it should be played all over radio, but it may not because of just politics with radio and all that stuff. So yeah. that's a pretty big compliment coming from him. Cause he's,
1: it was pretty cool, man. I, I gotta be honest with you. I sent him the record and he wrote back, man, really good, you know, and, and that that's nice. But um, yeah, it was cool. I think he was pretty genuine about that because I've heard him talk about things that you know he likes and that he uh, you know wants to support, but maybe he's not crazy about or something. I
0: don't know. Right? Yeah. No. He's still
1: that he genuinely liked
0: the song. Yeah. No. He's always professional, but like you could tell when he really likes something, and he's just trying to be nice and stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's a great song. I hope everybody should uh, download it. Check it out. And the whole album, the whole album. We're, gonna, we're calling it an album. It's nine songs. That's, that's enough. I agree. An album, man. It's an yeah. album.
1: Nine songs. So yeah. We be-
0: so, with all the things, like with all these bands that you're in, I mean, we talked about the partying, the craziness, the drinking. But what is like the least glamorous thing about being in all these rock bands? Like that people maybe wouldn't know about. That maybe they don't realize. It's not all. It can't all be like crazy fun times, right?
1: Well, for instance, right before I did Eddie Chunk show today, I aerated my lawn and seated my lawn.
0: Okay. So, yeah. I mean, you're still just like a regular guy doing regular guy stuff. Like yeah,
1: I'm gonna go back out and finish that. When I get off with you before my next interview at six o'clock
0: with Troy. Okay, cool. Yeah. So let's see if I, if I got your calendar, right. You've got future shows planned with Eric Martin. Uh, Fozzie, I guess got po- pushed back to uh, April uh, a new record with raw. Is that coming yes. out soon?
1: Yeah. Well, it's going to come out. I think hopefully the end of February and we're looking to try to get the new single out by um, maybe late next month.
0: And will you tour with that one too? Yes. <laughs> and you're going to be so busy. Anything else that's on the horizon? Hopefully. Yeah. Cause like you might tour with your solo, but you have some go-to guys that would, um, would be able to tour if you do uh, do a solo tour. Yeah. Would you tour just like maybe a club tour, just you, or would you maybe try to get on a, a, a another uh, band's tour as an opening gig?
1: It depends, man. You know what I mean? Whatever the most feasible, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's tough out there for anybody, let alone, you know, a guy like me who's just, you know, you know, I don't have the marquee of any of the bands that I'm in. It just, I it's just my name. So um, whatever would be feasible, but I definitely want to make it a point to go out whether I do, some acoustic shows or full band stuff. I'd like to do both.
0: Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Well, if you come to Phoenix, let me know. I'll try to bring as many people as I can. I don't have that many friends, but uh, I'll try to do my best. Um, so tell me also about um, the, the trickster, uh, the 30th anniversary of this, the debut album. You guys are like uh, making like a, 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 re- a remix of this or like a, with bonus tracks or something or. Um, the, uh,
1: remastering.
0: Remastered, is that what it is?
1: Yeah, I know Steve's doing something with that. Oh, Steve's we're, doing we're
0: gonna re release here. Oh, re release here. Okay, so sorry, not the debut. So, here, okay, that'll be cool. So, um, I heard you say that Pete can't um commit to, to doing any tours because of his day job. Could he do just like some some one offs or like a festival or a cruise or something like that? Or I don't
1: know, you know, I, I asked them just that. I mean, for the 30th anniversary, I asked him if we said hey, what if we do just kind of like M3 and one or two other the big festivals and, you know, just to go out two or three shows for the year to celebrate. And he basically just said, he goes, that would be about all I could do. And even if that, I don't even know when I could commit to doing that. You know, the problem with that is you have to commit six months before. Right. If You can't, you can't. So that run we run into the issue there.
0: So is that kind of the main issue with trickster getting back together and doing something or is there, is there bad blood?
1: Yeah. I mean, it kind of took the, the wind out of the sail kind of, you know, we weren't that motivated to do it any other way. So, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how much longer we go kind of um, dormant. Um, And then at some point we'll kind of reevaluate it. And who knows, maybe his something on his end, changes, that would be great. Or, you know, if we decide we want to do it in a different way.
0: Yeah. Cause so it, is there, what the motivation
1: factor is next year.
0: Okay. I mean, is there's not any bad blood between you guys or anything, or is there, I mean, is that part of the issue or is it just more Pete's day job? Well,
1: we had some issues. There was, when I say we, not me or Steve, um, but there were issues within the band that surfaced somehow. And, some of them have been since, you know, resolved and some of them haven't been. Um, I don't have, there's no bad blood. You know, I don't, I don't run like that. I don't have, um, you know, ill will or bad feelings or, you know, any, I carry any of that negativity with me at all, but there's things that, you know, need to be worked out before it can get done. That's a Just needs to be worked out and recognized. That's okay. All. no hate word
0: fair enough well if you guys need anybody to mediate i can i can do that i'm i used to be a counselor so i can sit down like we could do it on air be really fun if we do it behind closed doors that might be more uh but yeah i'd happy to mediate any issues if there is any problems with you guys because i just want you guys to get back together i'm a a fan so
1: you never know man it's it's a never know situation
0: All right. Um, Well, I always end with a charity. Is there a charity that you, I think there's something that you worked with or that you've worked with in the past.
1: Um, I mean, there's a lot of charities out there. Got off the top of my head. I mean, I don't really have the name of one off the top of my head, but I mean, I like money to go to like no kilter shelters.
0: Okay. All right.
1: If anybody wants to donate to the ones in their area, no kill,
0: no kill shelters. Will yeah. do. Also, I'll put up a link. I'll put up the link with your Instagram, and everybody should uh, check out the new uh, album, Accent the Change. The song is called uh, Let It Rain, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, perfect. And we'll look for you on tour with one of the 10 bands that you're in. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. Hopefully hit Phoenix. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely come see you if you hit Phoenix.
1: I am, man. I hope so. Okay.
0: Thanks so much, PJ. Hey, Chuck. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. bye right. We went through so much there. Uh, PJ Farley from Trickster, Raw. Fozzy, Eric Martin band, and of course the PJ Farley band. His new uh solo album Accent the Change, new single Let It Rain is out now. Eddie Trunk called the new single a uh, super hooky. So you know it's good and uh he, he was meant that when he said it. So make sure you follow PJ on Instagram to keep up with him. He's a busy guy. Uh if you want to support my show, you can write me a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or YouTube or wherever you listen. Follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Check out some of my other interviews I've done with people I mentioned on this episode, like Marcus Scott from Trickster, Troy Patrick Farrell, others I think you'll really enjoy. Check it out. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your day or night, and remember to shoot for the moon.